1: This is Nothing Funny About Money. I'm Matt Gorin. I'm here with Michael Thomas. We're in the financial planning program at the University of Georgia. And today we're talking about happiness. happiness. How can we manage our money to make us happier? You've heard the phrase, the best things in life are free. Oh, how about can't buy me love? Can't buy me love. That's a good one. How about money is the root of all evil? That's dark. Uh, well, you don't need money to be happy, right? I don't know. Well, let's see... What the research says
0: about that. Once people are making about $75,000 a year, additional income ceases to have any real impact on people's day-to-day happiness.
1: That was Elizabeth Dunn speaking at Pop Tech a few years ago. She's a social psychologist at the University of British Columbia. Okay, so people make $75,000 a year. They're relatively happy. Their happiness is capped That's what the researchers are saying. Okay, I'm middle class, 75 grand a year. And a billionaire like Bill Gates, no happier than me. I wouldn't go that far. But he's buying anything he wants, and he never runs out of money. A new Lamborghini every single day puts a brick on the gas pedal, drives it off a cliff. He won't run out of money. And that guy's no happier than I am. (laughs) All right. I think we're mischaracterizing Bill Gates a little bit here. Uh, To your point on happiness, however, you are correct. Okay. All right. You actually gave a great example of what the problem is. I, I did? Yeah. Who drives a car off a cliff? Well, (laughs) I guess there was uh, that one scene in Doctor Strange when he was Uh, oh yeah where he breaks his his hands. Yeah, okay, so that didn't make him very happy. No, it didn't exactly. And neither did, or neither was Doctor Strange after that incident. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, here, all right. So what's what's going on here? Why why are you saying that that? wouldn't make uh, bill gates very happy or dr Strange or whoever all right all right okay so you can't handle the whole dr strange stuff i get I it so no here's talking. the kicker are you ready for this <laughs> Matt, yeah stop laughing get it under ready. control i'm ready people spend their money on things they think will bring them happiness but won't oh that sounds a lot like how lottery winners act Indeed. And here's Michael Norton from Harvard Business School to paint us a little bit of a picture.
2: So what happens when people win the lottery is, number one, they spend all the money and go into debt. And number two, all of their friends and everyone they've ever met find them and bug them for money. And it ruins their social relationships, in fact. So they have more debt and worse friendships than they had before they won.
1: Okay, so people are spending their money on things like Lamborghinis are going to destroy and and their relationships start to suffer
2: <laughs> right right
1: and about half of lottery winners End up bankrupt within? Yes, how many? How many years would you think they end up bankrupt? Never, zero infinity years. Infinity years. I would hope so, like because that's still my hopes and aspirations. <laughs> right? I, I really how could would you love to bankrupt. I would really not bankrupt, but to win the lottery, I'd love to win the lottery and to for that money to last for an infinite amount of years. But the reality is, is that uh, most lottery winners end up bankrupt within five years. Oh my God! All right, so they're 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 bankrupt. They feel guilty. Their friends are asking them for money. Yep. They're pushing these people out of their lives. That does sound like uh, that's not good. That's, I mean, that could help explain why these people making all this money, they're they're not doing any better. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, yeah. I mean, people do end up worse off, uh, but it 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 gets worse. Oh, how's that? So Michael Norton also read stories. Uh, people wrote about what they would do if they won the lottery. Here he is talking about one of those stories.
2: And another person wrote, I would fill a big bathtub with money and get in the tub while smoking a big fat cigar and sipping a glass of champagne. This is even worse now. Then I'd have a picture taken and dozens of glossies made. Anyone begging for money or trying to extort from me would receive a copy of the picture and nothing else. (laughs) And so many of the comments were exactly of this type, where people got money, and in fact it made them antisocial. So we, I told you that it ruins people's lives and that their friends bug them. It also, money often makes us feel very selfish and we do things only for ourselves. Okay, yeah.
1: so you have a running tally here. Yeah. Bankruptcy, friendships dying, sociopathy, anything else? Yep, and uh, in another study, Elizabeth Dunn asked rich and poor people to read some scenarios and give their reactions.
0: So for example, we asked people to imagine coming across a beautiful waterfall while on a hike. The more money people had, the less likely they were to say they would jump in and hoot with joy or even just stand back and pause to really appreciate the beauty of this moment.
1: Uh, God, this is just getting worse and worse. So help me understand this here. I'm I'm rich, I can buy anything I want, I could do anything I want, and yet the things that I buy, the things that I do, I don't appreciate them. Yeah. And then maybe I buy more and more and more. Just trying to make myself happy. Yeah, and that's how some of these lottery winners end up bankrupt. It almost sounds like maybe money's more trouble than it's worth. Mm, maybe. Do you want mine? You're you're just gonna give me all your money? I'm <laughs> just kidding. I don't have any money. No way. Academia, <laughs> the land of milk and honey. This reminds me of a good question. Oh, this is going to be about finding money, isn't it? Yes. Yes. You you talk about this all the time. How are you how's this happening to you? Do you live in a wishing well? I wish I did. Uh, because I collect pennies and quarters and dimes and all that good stuff. So I am I yeah. Are we but, talking about <laughs> pennies? I take pennies. But it's hypothetical money. Oh, I've got loads of hypothetical money. We're we're in the same boat. Yeah. We live in the same fantasy wishing well. We do. Okay, let's let's imagine. Winter is coming, and you put on an old coat you haven't worn in a while. You reach into the pocket. And please tell me I pull out a kitten. No. But that being well, I love I love <laughs> kittens though. That would make me so happy. Matt, focus please. But I I'm glad <laughs> I'm glad to know kittens make you happy. I will publicly announce that when we come back and do this, I will have a kitten calendar for you. Oh yay. And we can post that. Okay. Well, what's in the co-pocket? All right, $10. 10 hypothetical dollars. 10 hypothetical dollars. But this feels awesome, right? Finding money is such a great feeling. Wow, there's so much possibility. Exactly. And now we get to decide what to spend it on, and what what would you spend it on? Uh, honestly, I know this is going to sound lame, but I would probably save it. Yeah, that is boring. Yeah. What Well what what would you spend it on? Savings. <laughs> <laughs> We're boring. Yeah. What would other people spend yeah. on money on? Yeah, let's focus on other people <laughs> because honestly, I would save. Uh, so I've got a story. I was teaching a class on financial literacy. And I asked the same question, and for that class, we're looking about a group from 11 to 14-year-olds. What would you do if you had found that money? For one kid in particular, putting the money away to purchase the newest pair of Jordan's X, I, X, Z to the 10th power would have made him incredibly happy. Yeah, but... what's wrong with that? Is that the wrong way to spend your money? Come on man. Well I I know it's a thing but it's a thing that makes them happy so is that all that bad? Okay so for me I would say yes not the best decision in the world, because I would hope he would save up for something, maybe like uh, college. I know that's a, yeah, that's how <laughs> well, I them,
2: but anyway.
1: I know we all hope that our eight-year-olds are saving for college, or, but wait, no, why stop there? He's, has he maxed out his 401 k contributions too? Right? Hey, why not? Why yeah, not? We, at some point, people have to spend <laughs> their money on stuff. But by the way, kids cannot have 401 one ks But anyway, here's the issue, though. Some of, these, some of these kids are coming from families with lesser means. We're not talking about uh, $75,000 earners and, and Bill Gates, right? Okay, so, so maybe there's different rules about happiness and money, depending on how much money you make. Yeah, well, uh, if you don't have a lot of money, maybe it's a struggle to just keep the lights on. Okay, so let's, let's zoom up a level here. So you make more than seventy five grand. More money doesn't make you happier. And we, we talked about a few reasons why that might be for the typical person. What if you make less than $75,000? Can money buy happiness? Well, according to the research, yes. Ah, saying money can't buy you love makes a lot of sense. If you've got it. To help understand this difference, let's categorize all our expenses into needs and wants. Okay, so a need is something you need, and a want is something you want. If you can't cover a need, it's super stressful. Okay, so if you have uh, these needs—you uh, rent, to buy food, pay the utility bills—you need money to meet those needs. And if you don't have money, then you get. More stress. Right, 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 right. So, and if you, like you're saying, like you're alluding to here, with, with having those resources, uh, you have less stress. So, it, it works on both ends of the spectrum. Okay. And that's a lot different from a want. When we spend money on wants, it's because we think it's yes. going to make us happier. Operative word, think. right. But uh, maybe we don't know what actually makes us happy. And that's a special problem for people with a bit more money. Absolutely. So, let's go back to our less wealthier people, me included in that segment, it, yeah. for, for a second, right? <laughs> Right, especially tough for you because you got kids. <laughs> I definitely have kids. Yeah how how expensive are your kids? Uh, kids are very expensive, and I didn't realize how expensive they were until recently. I saw a uh, article that suggests that to raise a child from infancy to the age of eighteen, it's two hundred fifty thousand dollars. That's like one whole Lamborghini. Dude, I'm just trying to recover from saying 250. Okay, so where 000. where's all this money going? What, what are we spending? Uh, what are you spending your money on for the kids? Yeah, I mean, a lot of it goes to daycare expenses, honestly, and that's that's a pretty big hit. Beyond that, of course, uh, I have a nine year old that the only thing he's ever asking is what's for breakfast, and right after breakfast, it's what's for snack. Right after snack, then what's for pre snack before lunch. <laughs> Pre, right, there's there's pre a snack, there's a pre, pre, there's a pre-snack warm-up pre before lunch, lunch. <laughs> pre-snack, <laughs> right? Goodness. So, and I so, have two okay, boys, so, so they they both like to eat. So let's say, thankfully, you can afford to to buy food for these guys. But well, I'm glad that you have that perception. <laughs> it seems like okay. Let's let's pretend though um, that you can't buy food for these guys. You can't yeah. afford that. What would that do? How, how would your mental health? Absolutely. And I can be honest with you. Uh, I've actually worked in uh, several programs that worked with low income families. And one of the biggest things that comes up is the ability. It's not that these families don't want to be able to provide healthy food for their children, but we have to be real here. Uh, You can go to McDonald's and get a double cheeseburger for a dollar. Or you can go to the supermarket and buy lettuce, tomatoes, and all these healthy things that are probably going to spoil rather quickly, and the kids aren't going to eat it and be as excited about it for maybe 4 or $5. So there's, there's that difference there. So there are a lot of families who would love to be able to provide their, their children good nutritious meals. But if you just don't have the resources, you have to do what you can do uh, to make sure that they're fed. Right. And not being able to do that is stressful for the parents. Incredibly. It's also stressful for the kids. Incredibly. Uh, I, when I was growing up, um, I, I went to a school that had uh, uniforms. Every kid had to wear the same thing. And I didn't really understand at the time, but now that I'm a little older, I'm looking back and realizing that it was there for those kids who would come to school wearing the clothes that didn't fit right, uh, maybe didn't look cool, they weren't the right name brand. And if everyone's dressed the same way, then it's not so stressful. At least that's the idea. Yeah. So if you don't have as much money, you might get your heating shut off. Yeah. Uh, you might not be able to afford the air conditioner. All these things that can make you very stressed out. You might ask yourself, what What is the number one cause of divorce? Why are these relationships that they're that close? Why are they breaking up? And my intuition would have told me it's it's infidelity, it's, it's irreconcilable differences, it's money. That's it the number fine. one reason why people are splitting up. Yeah, I, don't, I really don't like the idea of talking about money in like a de- very depressing state. We don't want to down this episode, right? The, <laughs> right. So far, really... the lesson is, don't have money, you're miserable. Have <laughs> money, waste it all, and lose your friends. Exactly. You know, that's not really what we're going for. But is, is that how it has to be? Is there a better way? Well, we think so. And we'll explore that better way after the break. You're listening to Nothing Funny About Money on Georgia Public Broadcasting. I'm Matt Gorin. And I'm Michael Thomas. Visit us on campus at the Aspire Clinic or online at nothingfunnyaboutmoney.org. Think of a time when you were most happy. Hang on to that memory. In the second half of the show... We're going to tell you to do what very few financial folks, planners, whatever you want to call them, do. Spend more money. Yes, but spend that money very strategically. Yeah, we've come up with a framework to help people spend less in the things that don't make them happy and more in the things that do. Yeah, this framework is, is based on an idea from psychology. Elizabeth Dunn is here to talk about it.
0: We human beings are sensitive to change. So we like it when money falls from the sky, when we suddenly experience an increase in income. But we adapt with remarkable speed to our newfound wealth.
1: All right. So this is the heart of the issue for a lot of folks. Things change for the better. We buy the new toys, the new house, whatever it is. It's awesome. We love it. And then we habituate. We get used to it. And it stops making us happy. Right. We just go back to baseline. This is called the hedonic treadmill. When good things happen, we get happier for a little while and then go back to baseline. It actually works both ways. When bad things happen, we get sad for a little while and then go right back to that baseline. Absolutely. So think about it. This is a really good thing to have. Imagine if something bad happened and it haunted you forever. (laughs) <laughs> forever, right? We can bounce back from bad things and from mistakes we've made. My life would be in shambles if I, if it were not possible to come back from some of the stuff that I've done. Like going to grad school? Yeah, there's a huge opportunity cost there. And thanks for bringing that up, right? That was between you and me. That was, uh, that was a moment, man. And now we're sharing it with everybody. Okay. okay. But know, knowing that general principle, uh, the, that of uh, the hedonic Terminal. It can help us make some better decisions about our money. Yeah, which is where the framework comes okay. up. And we call that framework hedonic accounting. All right, this is, is not that scary. No, it's, a, <laughs> it's just a really nerdy way of saying, manage your money to make you happy. Yeah. And uh, according to our framework, all expenses belong to one of four categories. All right, so what are these four categories? It's fixed wants. Fixed wants. Fixed needs. Variable wants and variable needs. Okay. We already talked about needs and wants. So what does fixed and variable mean? Okay, The fixed expenses, those are predictable. You're spending the money every day, your week or month or whatever it is. You're paying regularly. All right. So a good example of a fixed expense would be... Uh, Rent, right? right, and a variable expense could be something like an unexpected trip to urgent care, which we had a couple of days ago. <laughs> uh, yeah, right. So uh, emergencies that are, you know that are truly unexpected that that's a variable expense. But variable expenses can also be positive things, like gifts for other people or, or treats for Absolutely. yourself. Actually, that's a really good way to look at it. Okay, let's go back to those care those categories. We have fixed wants, fixed needs, variable wants, and variable needs. The best example I can think of for a fixed one is cable TV. You get the bill every month for something that nobody needs. And a fixed need would be something like housing? Right. But this brings up a good point in that some expenses are a little bit of a need and a little bit of a want. No one needs to live in a penthouse downtown. So part of that rent is a fixed need. You need to spend some money in housing. But another part of it is what we call a fixed want. Okay. So variable wants. What's what's a good example? Definitely vacations, okay. like a trip to Vegas with the boys. <laughs> that would be awesome. Unless someone travels all the time, right? Well, and sure. And, right. And then okay. that brings up another good point. For one person, a vacation is a variable one. And for another person, they may consider it a fixed need. Okay. So maybe, for example, you're traveling home for the holidays... You're not going to get around that. That's that is an expense you need to build into your budget. Absolutely. And I would I would love that to be a fixed need in my budget to be able to travel when I want. So we're not telling anyone to take or to not take a vacation, right? No, definitely not. You do you. Okay, and what You that? do you. <laughs> okay i got it i will do me okay. i will just i'll get a book and nestle on the couch and read right that's, <laughs> uh, if that's doing you michael that is definitely that, doing me oh, you're a cheap day <laughs> i am uh so <laughs> what's an example of a variable need uh, emergency room visit absolutely. broken car absolutely uh those don't sound like fun no the, the variable needs are usually awful <laughs> So, how does all this relate to happiness and money? Right. So, it turns out each one of these expenses predicts happiness differently. And how these categories predict happiness goes back to the hedonic treadmill. Right. So, some expenses make you happy at first, but then that feeling is going, going, gone. So, just tell us how to spend our money. All right. Let's walk through each category. All right. Variable needs. Okay, so these guys, as we were alluding to before at the hospital visit, if you don't have the money to spend on these things, it's bad. It's stressful. It's really Incredibly. an awful experience. And then you, you were bringing up. You, you had the, the money to spend on it. And that's our, the recommendation is you have to save up for these things. You can't build it into your monthly budget. Something like an emergency room visit, that's hundreds of dollars Could be. minimum. Yeah. And uh, if you have a heart attack, God forbid... The average out-of-pocket cost is twenty-three thousand dollars. That is crazy. Most people don't have that coming to them in a month. So hopefully you can save up. Hopefully you buy insurance. You have to be prepped for those things. Okay. Failure to be prepared means a lot of stress. Means a lot less happiness. Absolutely. As it relates to fixed needs, where are what are we talking about there? Right. So these guys, you can predict. This is the the rent or the you know, buying food, something like that. And these don't by themselves predict happiness. You don't, you know, cash in that rent check. They don't? You're like, yes, I feel great. Okay. But not being able to pay is super stressful. Absolutely. Having the light shut off, getting kicked out of your house, that sort of thing. But the recommendation here is to try to cut them down as much as you possibly can. This is the way to think about this stuff. If I say, get a roommate, they're paying you $600 a month, yep. let's say. You might look at that and say, oh, $600 a month I'm saving on, on housing. How much is that? really worth to me. Maybe not a lot, but let's rephrase that. What if I said, I'll pay you $600 a month. That's $7,200 a year. And all you have to do is have someone live across the house from you. I would do it in a heartbeat. Yeah. And I'll probably take that vacation with the boys to Vegas. Yeah. You could take a lot of it. Exactly. Right. That's that's Yeah. So for all these things where we're saying, uh, think of any of these fixed needs. Okay. Imagine that someone will pay you To not do the thing anymore so let's 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 move this conversation a little bit here but so let's talk about fixed wants and variable wants like what are what are what are we talking about there okay so fixed wants this is the the like prototypical hedonic treadmill problem let's take the example of cable television you don't have cable television before you get it now it boosts your happiness this is good you're enjoying this all these new shows that you can watch but then it doesn't make you any happier. You get used to it. It wanes. And actually, in the case of TV, the more people watch TV, the less happy they are. So that particular thing. <laughs> that is so me. It's, <laughs> it's actually depressing. worse. You're better off kissing it TV. It's like if I go on a trip and I'm in a hotel or whatever it may be, and I cut on a television because I haven't watched in a while, and then I just cut it off after about 10 minutes. I'm like, you know what? I'm not missing anything. So. No. And that same idea is true of buying expensive cars, Buying these big houses that you don't need; these things at first give you this boost of happiness, but it doesn't last. You get used to it. And in the case of a car, what affects people's happiness with their cars most? Commute time. Absolutely. It's not even the car you have. And what affects the happiness with the house the most? It's how close it is to (laughs) the your work and the things that you want to spend your time doing. It has nothing to do with how big the house is. Absolutely. So you get trapped. In these expenses. You might think that these wants are discretionary expenses. Discretionary means you like you have a choice. But if you're forced into a mortgage payment, you're forced into a car payment, yeah. it's not discretionary It's it's anymore. it's, it's tough. So as it relates to this fixed wants thing, like what should we do? How should we go about this process? You just stop spending money on that. I'm not buying it. Yeah, it's gonna suck for Like a few literally months. and figuratively. Yeah, <laughs> no, it's it's gonna this is the thing. People they look and think, if I cancel my cable, it's gonna suck. I'm gonna have to wait a week to watch the next episode of the whatever. Yeah. Stop spending money on these things. <laughs> it's going to suck for the first few months, okay? okay? Right, you're telling me what I'm not getting. What what am I like what am I getting out of this? Why why is it so important? Okay, uh, with here's the thing with the hedonic treadmill idea, right? It works both ways. So when you first stop spending the money on this, you might say, "Oh, this is not good. This isn't what I want." But about 3 to 6 months later, you're going to forget the bad feeling. You're going to okay. go back to that baseline as if You were still spending this money. But here's the nice thing. You're not spending that money anymore. You now Uh, suddenly have so much more money. Okay. Cable TV, for example, 80 bucks a month, about $1,000 a year. All right. You could do a lot with that $1,000 a year. And you drag that out into every aspect of your life. Okay. We're not talking hundreds of dollars. We're talking... Tens of thousands of dollars for the typical American. All right. So what you're saying is if we go back and we look at these fixed wants and let's say if we just do something in one area initially, right, that can lead to happiness in some other area. And then let's say if I cut back from something else, there's this kind of snowball effect that can happen here that can actually improve my overall happiness, quality of life, because I'll actually be able to do the things that I want to do, but I don't have to do it all at once. So just doing one thing now... In a short period of time, can actually I can see the the real benefit, from right? It. So keep in mind that I'm a weirdo, and, I'm, <laughs> and I didn't. I didn't. Yeah, say and it. I'm living my life I in this very it. idealistic way. But right, and I want to I want to get away from this focus. It's not that you're simply spending less money. Okay. It's that you're spending more money on other things, and that other thing where you're spending more money is the variable wants. Once. So so what I'm what I'm hearing here is that by By cutting back on certain things that I can cut back on, it gives me greater flexibility and ability to spend on the things that I would want to really be spending my money on. Right. So by taking back, I'm actually getting more. So I'm not losing. I'm actually gaining. Right. You're gaining in terms of being able to save money, but also on spending on things that make you happy. Remember, these variable wants are things like vacations. Gifts, treats for yourself, Love that it. sort of thing. One year at cable TV, $1,000. I was able to go on two 10-day international vacations, Canada, Mexico, $800 each time. Wow. Wow. It's possible to get quite a lot of cool Absolutely. stuff uh, for even less money. So what we want people to do here is think back to that that happiest time in your life. When you closed your eyes before and you imagined when you were happiest. I guarantee you, it was one of these variable ones. It was a vacation. It was when you got a gift for somebody. When you got a gift, it was something that was out of the the norm. It wasn't routine. No, not at all. And uh, what I think about mine, it was was really just at the park with the family. Honestly, that that really is my moment. Like, don't have you don't have to buy that, but that's my moment. It's park park with the family. Right. So So spend more of your time and more of your money on these things that actually make you happier and less of it on the things that don't. Okay. Okay. And we've been talking about these treats for yourself, but that's not the only way that you could spend money to make yourself happy. So where are you going with this? So it's not just about spending on yourself. It seems that spending money on other people can do a whole lot for our happiness. And these same people we've featured uh, on the, sh- the show earlier in this episode, uh, Elizabeth Dunn and, and Michael Norton, mm-hmm. they've also done work on giving. And th- here's-, here's how these studies work. They hand out either $5 or $10 to people. Uh, and these are a few studies across the world, so in the North America and Uganda. And they ask them to spend that money on themselves or on other people. Okay. And what they find is that when people are spending money on others – it improves their happiness. I love that idea. I yeah. love that idea. And here's how Michael Norton talking about where college students tend <laughs> to spend their money. I'm curious.
2: Huge effect here of uh, Starbucks. So <laughs> if you give undergraduates $5, it looks like coffee to them, and they run over to Starbucks and spend it as fast <laughs> as they can. But some people bought a coffee for themselves the way they usually would, but other people said that they bought a coffee for somebody else. So the very same purchase just targeted toward yourself or targeted toward some, somebody else. What did we find when we called them back to the end of the day? People who spent money on other people got happier. People who spent money on themselves, nothing happened. It didn't make them less happy, it just didn't do much for them.
1: So let's, uh, let's summarize this whole thing. So The question we began this with was, can money buy happiness? And here's what Michael Norton has to say about it.
2: If you think money can't buy happiness, you're not spending it right. Uh, the implication is not, you know, you should buy this product instead of that product. And that's the way to make yourself happier. It's, in fact, that you should stop thinking about which product to buy for yourself and try giving some of it to other people.
1: So can money buy happiness? Well, if you don't have enough to meet your needs, yes, money can buy happiness. But for everybody else? Then it totally depends on what you're spending your money on. Absolutely. Our big advice, spend out what makes you happy and cut down on all the rest. You'll find you've got a lot more money to play with. And if you're having trouble figuring out what to spend your money on, come visit us at Aspire. Yes, come check us out at, uh, on the UGA campus at the Aspire Clinic at uh, aspireclinic.org. We'll be happy to help. Is that it? Yeah, I think that's, that's it. You've been listening to Nothing Funny About Money. Thanks for listening. Peace. You've been listening to Nothing Funny About Money. I'm Matt Gorin. And I'm Michael Thomas. This program is made possible by the College of Family and Consumer Sciences at the University of Georgia in cooperation with WUGA. For more information about our program, visit us online at nothingfunnyaboutmoney.org. Or need help? Get it! Visit us on campus at the Aspire Clinic. Thanks for listening.